Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations, and with the help of our online service, reaching the people around the world. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. You can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power of your word, enough to seek your kingdom first, beyond the barren place, beyond the ocean waves. But when I walk through the waters, I won't be
morning, church. Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Andrew Irwin, and I get to be one of the pastors here at the Vine Church. And I am fired up that I get to be with you this morning as we jump back into our message series called Losing My Religion. And the reason I'm fired up today is because today's message is relevant to each and every one of you who are sitting in the room this morning, and it's relevant to every single person that you care about. That's because today we're talking about everyone's favorite subject, temptation. I was waiting for the, the raucous applause. It didn't quite get here, and that, that's okay. But I am, I'm excited to talk about this. And really what we're going to discover today is that many of us have fallen into the trap of choosing to entertain our temptations when we should be trying to escape our temptations. And we're going to talk about why that's a big deal. But I, I want to start by just letting you know that temptation's tough. And for me, specifically, the most difficult temptations to overcome are the ones where I think I can get away with it without anybody finding out. And this started pretty early for me. In fact, when I was in first grade, um, we lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids who liked to play outside. And so pretty much after school, I'd come home, throw my bag down and go outside, run around and play. And my mom's one and only rule was that I was to stay on our street at all times. Like, do not go on it any other streets in the neighborhood, stay on our street. And so I did that, except for the one time that I didn't do that, right? And the one time I didn't was because one of my buddies came running up to me. He was like, hey, there's construction happening on a house on the next street over, and there is this massive mound of dirt that you can ride your bike down, and it's awesome. And so I was like, whew, I am not supposed to go. And I wrestled with it in my mind for about two seconds, and then I went. And... (laughs) And I, I rode down that bike, like I rode my bike down that hill and it was awesome. And I expected to feel really good when I got to the bottom of the hill. And wouldn't you know, at the end, I actually just felt guilty. And so I was like, guys, I, I got to go. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. I got to go. Rode my bike home. And the whole time I had that like, you know, that like feeling in your gut, like the pit of your stomach where you're like, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Like my mom's going to be disappointed in me. But I also kind of was thinking, but at least I'm going to get away with it, right? Like, I'm totally thinking I'm getting away with it. And so I pull up to my house, and my mom's standing on the front porch. And she looks at me, and she says, Andrew, it's, it's time to come in and wash up for dinner. And in that moment, I went, breathe that huge sigh of relief, because I knew I had pulled it off, right? Like, I, I, had, I had done it. Like, I was going to get away with leaving the street, and my mom was never going to know about it. And so I was like walking in the house feeling like pretty good about myself. And then inexplicably, I blurted out, I just went down this massive hill on the next street over. It was awesome, but I'm really, 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 really sorry. I want you to know I took my punishment like a man and I spent the rest of the evening crying in my room because I was grounded because I had been disobedient. And in that moment, I realized that I crumpled, like I collapsed under the weight of temptation as a six-year-old. And I wish I could say that I got better about dealing with temptation as I got older, but here's what's crazy. Instead of getting better at dealing with with temptation and avoiding it, um, I got just better at bearing temptation. Like the weight of it just became normal for me. Uh, I remember as an adult a few years ago, my wife Kristen and I were sitting down to do our taxes. That's a fun project together, right? Um, and, and we were going through plugging in all the numbers to one of those online programs where it kind of like tells you as you're going, like, hey, you get this much back or, oh, you, you owe this much. And we were kind of plugging in the numbers. And we plugged in like one set of numbers and like hit submit. And like the number that we were going to get back, like 
quadrupled, like in an instant. Like it was like we hit the jackpot. Like I felt like, like all those dreams of trips that we'd been wanting to take and was like, and here it is, courtesy of the IRS. And then we realized that we had input the numbers wrong. And when we had that moment of realization, we like refused to look at each other because we were both processing the same thing. Can we get away with this, right? Like would anybody find out if we just finished our taxes, sent them to the IRS, like would we get away with getting all of this money back? I'll have you know that we did ultimately put in the right numbers. It was very upsetting. We didn't get to go on any trips, but we felt a little bit better about it. And the reality is what, what I've learned from the time I was six on is that temptation doesn't go away, does it? Like those of you who are students, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you deal with temptation day in and day out, whether it's in the halls of your school or whether it's on social media. Like the, the temptation is there. The peer pressure has never been higher to do things like smoke, drink, vape, whether it's pressing physical boundaries or pressing the boundaries of how much you can get away with when it comes to cheating on assignments, right? Like there, there's countless ways for you to be tempted as a teenager. And I wish I could say that when you graduate high school, all those temptations go away, but anybody who's been to college knows that's not true, right? It's not like temptation goes away when you step onto your campus, does it? No. In fact, those temptations, they get bigger, and they're harder to walk away from because when you see everybody else on your dorm floor doing something, it's really hard to be the only person who walks away from that, isn't it? And adults, it's not like this, this doesn't affect your world, does it? Like there's temptations to cheat around the office all the time, whether it's cutting corners or maybe just stealing some time or maybe even just stealing office supplies. There's temptation to cheat and spouses. You know about temptation to cheat as well, don't you? And maybe it's not cheating with another person, but maybe it's cheating by what you consume on the internet. Because if you're not being faithful with your eyes, you're not being faithful to your spouse. And so we got to pay attention to all those things that can tempt us. Now, there's a few things that we do need to understand about temptation, but before we jump into anything else, I want to make sure we're all on the same page about like our working definition of what temptation means. And so here at The Vine, this is how we define temptation. Temptation is a trick to trade what you should do for what you could do. Temptation is a trick to trade what you should do for what you could do. And I, I love this definition because here's, here's what it tells us. Like, each and every one of us have the opportunity to decide whether we're going to do what we know we should do or not. And when we decide not to do what we know we should do, we're basically saying that we're going to pursue what we think is best for ourselves above what God says is best for ourselves. And anytime we do that, we come short of what God wants for us. And listen, I know you've got big plans for your life, but God's plans are always bigger and always better than your plans for your life. And so temptation tries to derail you. So that's why you need to know that temptation is not from God. And in fact, we're going to see that in our scripture passage for today. So if you brought your Bibles or have a Bible app, I'm going to invite you to open up with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you that if you're here and you do not have a Bible, that we would love to give you a Bible 100% for free. Just stop by the guest services desk on your way out this morning, ask for a Bible, you will have one. And I've, I sometimes have people ask me, why, why would we give Bibles away? It's simple. I'm convinced that when God's people get into God's word, 
amazing things begin to unfold in their life and in the lives of everyone around them. And so we love giving out Bibles. And so I know that won't help you now since it's not the end of the service quite yet. So what we'll do is we're going to put all of the scriptures for this morning on the screens. And so I'm going to invite you to track along that way as we jump into James chapter 1, verse 13. This is what it says. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So to be clear, temptation is not from God. Now, here's why this can be really confusing in our minds. Temptation's never from God, but testing can be from God. And to see that, we actually need to jump back into James chapter one, but this time we're gonna look at verses two and three. So this is James chapter one, verses two and three. This is what it says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. All right, so here's what we've learned. Temptation, never from God, but testing of your faith can be. Why? Because it produces steadfastness. All right, so there is a big difference between temptation and testing. Temptation, A, it's not from God, but here's what you need to recognize. Temptation, it's never to build you up. It's always to break you down. Whereas testing, testing's actually about building you up instead of breaking you down. Temptation, man, it's about pulling you away from God. Testing, and if you've ever been through a season of testing, you know that those are some of the seasons where you get closer to God than any other time in your life. Why? Because it produces steadfastness in us. And so we need to be okay with the idea that God from time to time will test us, but we need to be clear that God will absolutely never tempt us. And that's a really big deal for me for you to get this. Like we've got to understand God never ever tempts us. So God, like when it comes to temptation, it's not from God. It's also not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. And we know that because Hebrews chapter 4.15 says this. This is what it says. For we do not have a high priest, and by the way, our high priest is Jesus. So for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, what this tells us is that Jesus was tempted and did not sin. Therefore, we can be tempted and not sin. In fact, I, get, I always find it funny when I have people who come to me and they're like, I've got this massive temptation. I thought as a follower of Jesus, like I would move beyond temptations. I'm like, you need to read your Bible because Jesus was like tempted by Satan himself, okay? So like the closer you become to being like Jesus, the bigger target you have on your back to be tempted by Satan himself. Like temptation's not going anywhere. And so we need to have a, like a firm grip on temptation. Now, here's the other thing I want you to hear. Temptation is not a sin, Ooh, but it can become a slippery slope straight into sin, can it? And I know that because they did something horrible to me. They opened a Culver's a mile from my house. And the, like, the marketing team at Culver's, they're geniuses because I drive by countless restaurants every single day and I only read one sign every single day. It's the daggum flavor of the day at Culver's. <laughs> and here's what's weird. Like, I don't know if it was built into my car or not, but anytime the sign reads really Reese's, my car's blinker instantly comes on and it starts autopiloting into the turn lane to get to Culver's. Now, I want to make sure we're clear on this. Like, me reading the sign of Culver's is not, is not like a sin. It's okay to look at the sign. 
What becomes a sin is when I slip from that temptation eating into eating four gallons of really Reese's ice cream. That's where it becomes a problem, okay? So reading the sign, not a sin, okay? But it is a bit of a temptation. You see the difference there? Now, some of you might be going, all right, I need another example for like the difference between temptation and sin. Okay, how about this? We live in an area where there are a lot of people who like to run. Like I, I run, like I drive by runners all the time. And I, I don't know, I've picked up on this. Some of the runners who run around here are a little bit attractive, okay? I don't know if anybody else has noticed that. Here's what I would tell you. Noticing, noticing that some of the runners around here are a little bit attractive, okay? That might be a temptation, but it's not a sin. Here's where it becomes a sin. If you go from going, man, they look like they're a really good runner to, man, they look good and they've been running through my mind all day, okay? You have the temptation and then you have the sin. Do you see the difference? Are you tracking with me? Temptation is not a sin, but it can lead us to sin very, very quickly, all right? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, these are things that I see on a regular basis, right? Like some of you are going, well, I drive by that Culver's or I, I drive by Starbucks or I drive by Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' or I, I drive by Chick-fil-A or McDonald's. And so I know about temptation. Or some of you are going, man, I, I work out at a gym and I, I see other attractive people or I, I, I see people running down the road. Man, like this feels like it's really, really difficult to avoid. Listen, it's impossible to avoid. Like temptation, you need to get this. Temptation should not be unexpected for you. Temptation's not unexpected. It's going to come your way. And it's gonna come your way in seasons where you're feeling really weak and seasons where you're feeling really strong. See, the enemy knows where we are weak. And some of you might be going, well, how do I, if he knows how I'm weak, how how do I know where I'm weak? I, I can tell you. Those times when you find yourself looking around at the things other people are doing that you know they shouldn't be doing, but you wish you could do it too, those are places where you're weak. Or those places where, where you know you've crossed boundaries in the past, whether it was a chemical boundary or maybe a physical boundary with another person, and then you've tried to go back, ooh, that's difficult. And those become your places of weakness. And the enemy knows those, and you need to know them as well. But here's the thing. It's not enough to know where we're weak because we can be tempted where we're strong too. And, and, and you know that to be the case because we've all seen people struggle in areas where they should be strong, right? Like how, how many of you are aware of like the coaches that you see who like look like they need to coach themselves because they are not in shape? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Or, or how many of you know about the doctors who find themselves addicted to the pills that they, they prescribe to other people? Or how about the financial planners who are broke, right? And before, and before we like throw stones at all of those people, like we need to recognize, like we really need to recognize that sometimes, like sometimes when we're on like the verge of our biggest spiritual triumph is when we come across our biggest spiritual temptation, okay? So we've got to pay attention to the fact that this is not unexpected. Like it's not, it's coming, And the other thing we need to know is not only is it not unexpected, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. These are things that we are all going to face. And of course we will, because if Jesus faced them, then we are 
as well. In fact, this is what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You hear that? No temptation has ever come to you that's not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's the good news for us this morning, right? Temptation, it's coming. But you'll never, you'll never be hit with the temptation that you're not able to handle because there's always going to be an escape route, always. Anytime you come across a temptation, you're gonna have a choice. You can either entertain the temptation or you can escape the temptation. And I want you to hear this. Like, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, the things that still tempt you are the things that you enjoy being tempted by. Here's what I mean by that. When you first surrender your life to Jesus, here's how it works. You begin systematically eliminating the things from your life that are easy to eliminate from your life right? Then you're going, well, okay, well, the things I don't really struggle with, I'll get rid of, and it makes me feel better. But those things that, that you do struggle with, you hang on to, or maybe better said, they hang on to you, unless you're very intentional to get rid of those places of temptation. Here can, here's what can happen. If you're not hyper-intentional to eliminate these places of temptation, you can reach a point where you decide you don't want to conquer your temptation. You just want to... Whoa. I think the Lord is speaking to us right now. And he wants to make sure you conquer your temptation. Because what I was about to say is that you have a choice to make. You can either conquer your temptation or you'll choose to conceal it. And for a lot of people... For a lot of people, they've been concealing a lot of things for a really long time. And listen, you'll never conquer anything that you're covering up, ever. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're beginning to feel convicted about this, I want to remind you that you have the choice to make today. You can choose your own satisfaction that you derive from your temptation. You can pick satisfaction if you want, or you can pick sanctification. And sanctification, man, that is a churchy-sounding word, isn't it? If you want to impress your friends later on, you just tell them, hey, man, at church this morning, we were talking about sanctification, right? <laughs> and here's what it means that you, when they ask, you can tell them, okay? Sanctification simply means the process by which the Holy Spirit makes us look more like Jesus. That's it. And here's the thing. We've already said that Jesus wants to lead us out of temptation, so you can't become more like Jesus by sitting in your temptation, Like if you're content to entertain temptation, you're not gonna grow to look more like Christ. And so we've gotta decide whether we're going to actually conquer our temptation or whether we're just gonna be content to conceal it. And maybe, just maybe, you're beginning to feel a little convicted this morning, going, man, I got some temptation I need to get rid of. Like I wanna conquer this temptation once and for all. Well, the way you do that is through confession. And I know confession can feel scary. It can. It can. I get it. I 100% understand that confession can feel scary. But listen, you're not confessing to the person sitting next to you. You're first and foremost confessing to God. And it is impossible to confess something to God that he doesn't already know. Like, and I, I know, I know. Here's, here's what we think. 
We think that because we've covered up our stuff really, really well from everybody around us, that nobody knows. Newsflash, God already knows. He does. Whatever that thing is in your life, he's already keenly aware of it and he's grieved by it because that thing in your life has become a barrier between you and him. And he wants to break down that barrier because he wants to get to your heart. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you to confess whatever it is that you've got going on because when you choose to confess your temptations to God, here's the trade that you get to make. You get to trade your guilt from being tempted for his grace. You get to trade your guilt for his grace. And listen, that's a really good trade. And I hope that you will decide that you're gonna make that trade today. Now, if you're here this morning and you're going, well, here's the thing, pastor. (laughs) I'm way past temptation. Like I was tempted and I slid right into sin. So what do I do now? You decide that today's the day that you're gonna conquer your sin. And the way you do that is the same way you conquer your temptation and that is to confess it. And I know, I know what it can feel like. You can feel like, well, I, I, don't, I, don't even, I know God already knows what I've done. I still don't wanna say, I don't wanna say it to him. Like I, I don't wanna have a conversation about what I've done because I'm afraid maybe that will change the way God looks at me. There is literally nothing you could ever say to God to change the way he looks at you. Because no matter what you say to him, his response is to love you with the full weight of love that he has for you. Listen, your, your confession, it doesn't, it doesn't kill your relationship to God. It kills the thing that's keeping you from having a real relationship with God. And you can make the decision to kill your sin today so that your, your sin never has a shot at killing you. And it starts with confession. And, and I know, I know that confession can be really, really challenging, especially if, if you've been entertaining sin for a really long time. But I want you to hear this. If you make the decision to confess today, then when you leave here, you leave here knowing that Christ is alive and active in your life and that your life has just become more like the life of Jesus. You can make that decision today. And my hope and my prayer is that you will, because when your life becomes more like the life of Christ, you're less susceptible to temptation. And I know that because because as a church leadership group, we recently went through a season where it would have been really easy for us to give in to the temptation to fear. And I think that's a temptation we can all deal with, right? We can all relate to that idea of it's easy to feel afraid and to operate from a position of fear. And our church leadership could have done that when we recently had an opportunity that came our way. You see, back in 2017, our church leadership was convinced that the Lord was leading us, was leading us to remove barriers to growth at both of our locations. And so we began a journey called Choose This Day. And as a part of that journey, we said, we need to eliminate barriers to growth at both of our campuses. And so at our Flowery Branch campus, the two biggest barriers to growth there have been children's ministry and parking spaces. And so we're, un- we're underway with a project that's going to eliminate both of those barriers at one time. And that project's scheduled to be wrapped up in December. And so we're really excited about that. But at the same time, we wanted to eliminate our biggest barrier to growth here at our Chateau campus. And that is parking spaces. We've never had enough parking spaces since we've been in this building. 
And so in the fall of 2017, we made the strategic decision to buy the lot that is adjacent to our lot. And so the lot that's directly behind me between this building and Beaver Dam Road, we purchased that lot. It's 2.5 acres of land. And shortly after buying that property, a developer from Dollar General called us with an offer to purchase a portion of that land. They wanted a portion, they wanted just over an acre of the 2.5 acres that we had bought previously. And so our, our church's leadership, our, our lay leaders, which is our leadership accountability team, and our staff leaders, which is our senior leadership team, started praying and started processing um, this offer that had been made. And we, we had a lot of conversations, a lot of time in prayer, and we had a lot of negotiations back and forth with the developer. But eventually that group made the decision that if we didn't move forward on this, that we would be operating in fear instead of following faithfully. And I'm so glad that they made that decision because the decision to sell part of that property to Dollar General is going to bless us in three primary ways that I want to share with you this morning. The first is, this is going to be a tremendous financial blessing for our congregation. Like, we bought that 2.5 acres in the fall of 2017 for $350,000. Dollar General, their developer, would like to buy that land from us for like a portion of that land, just over an acre of that land, for $407,000. And in addition to that, they're going to be paving 80 parking spaces for us for free. And the, the cost of that work, we estimate to be at $125,000, which means that the sale of just over one acre that we bought for $350,000 is going to net us $530,000 in less than two years' time. It's pretty staggering, pretty staggering. Now, the second reason this is a tremendous blessing is parking. We initially secured that land because we knew that we needed additional parking in the future. And so we, we were like, we have to move on that. Well, the additional parking would come as a part of this sale. We get 80 spaces. And I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I am a big old numbers nerd, okay? And so we actually track the number of people per car who attend here on Sunday mornings. And so I don't know if you knew this or not, but per car, we have 1.7 people who arrive here for worship on a Sunday morning. You 0.7 people, I got my eyes on you, okay? I just want you to know that, all right? But 1.7 people per vehicle, which tells us if we get 80 parking spaces, that's an additional 136 people that can come and worship the Lord Jesus here per service that we offer, okay? That's a really cool thing for us. But to be honest with you, the third reason that this is a huge blessing is the most important to me. We've known for a long time, for a long time, that visibility is an issue with this location. Like, we have first-time guests who come in here and tell us, I've been driving by this building for years. I had no idea this was a church. Listen, every single person who stops to shop at the corner here is going to know this is a church. And they're going to know it's a church where we make disciples who make disciples. They're going to know this is a church we are sold out to reaching one till we reach everyone. You see, our visibility is gonna go through the roof because of this move, and we're excited about the opportunities evangelistically that this is gonna provide us to reach new people. You see, I'm not really all that concerned with parking spaces. I'm very concerned with people, okay? I don't really care how many people we can get into the building. I care how many people we can get into the kingdom. That's what this move is about for us. And so we are excited about the opportunity here, and I want you to hear this. None of this would have been possible if our leadership had decided that, you know what? 
this is, this is too much of a scary move for us. And here's the thing. None of us would have faulted them if they had made that decision. It would have been really easy for them to say, you know what? <laughs> Now's not the right time for this because we're already in the midst of another building project. We've got a major project happening right now. We don't need to have major projects happening simultaneously at both of our locations. It's, it, it's too much at one time. We don't need to do this right now. But when our leadership started praying, the idea of doing two simultaneous projects didn't feel like a burden. It felt like a blessing of the Lord. Because what that meant for us is that we would have eliminated the biggest barriers at both of our campuses to people coming to know just how loved they are. And so I want to share with you that we're really excited to move forward with this. In fact, the timeline on this has been sped up. See, when we entered into this process of, of uh, having conversations with the developer, we basically agreed to a due diligence period for them to say they have a certain amount of time to say yes or no and walk away from the deal. Well, they've actually expedited that time frame because they want to close sooner rather than later. In fact, their hope is to close in the next two weeks. And if that happens, then they would actually break ground at the beginning of September and then finish the project in December. And our parking spaces would become available as soon as that project is complete. And so we're looking at having additional parking here, eliminating our biggest growth barrier here by the end of the year, which is a pretty staggering thing. And it's a great opportunity for us. And it's only made available, only made available because our church leaders, when they had the temptation to operate in fear, decided that they instead were gonna operate in faith. This morning, church, you've got the exact same opportunity. Because if you leave here without having confessed your temptation to the Lord, it will be because you operated out of fear instead of operating out of faith. And listen, listen, I'm not saying your fear is not justified. Because you know why people choose not to confess? It's because even talking to God about that thing in your life feels like too much shame. It's too shameful to even share it with God. He's so holy. He's so righteous. He's so completely other than anything else in this world. How could I ever share with him the, the deepest hurts and pains and struggles of my life? Listen, I understand the shame that comes from temptation and sin. But I want you to hear this. Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive your sins. He died on the cross to forgive you of all the consequences of sin so that you never ever have to be filled with this shame and doubt and failure and regret. This sense of not being enough is not something that ever applies to you ever again. Once you say that I'm a follower of Jesus, that means that shame has no hold on you anymore, which means that you can go to your heavenly father anytime to be released of that. When you confess this, when you confess that thing in your life, you break the hold that it has on your life and simultaneously give more of yourself to Jesus. And listen, there's no better place that you could place yourself than in the arms of the one who spread his arms and died on a cross for you. So this morning, my prayer is that you will decide that you're not leaving this place with anything you need to confess. So that you would decide today that if there's a temptation, you're going to confess it. If there's a sin, you're going to confess that too. And you're not going to let anything stop you from leaving this place knowing that you're a child of God 
who is fully known and fully loved. God, I look to you.